You're listening to Music Tectonics. Hey everybody and welcome to the Music Tectonics podcast. I am your irregular host, Trista Newyear Yeager, filling in for Dimitri. And uh, today I have with me a really, really cool guest. I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. Um, it, his name is Andres Lauer. He is the founder and CEO of Five Vectors, a startup in Berlin that operates on the intersection of gaming and music in some really interesting ways. So I'm really hoping that some of my um, music friends out there will benefit from this conversation and hearing a little bit about how gaming works, how the culture operates, and some exciting lessons I think the music business could learn from the world of gaming and esports. So um, Andres, to kick us off here, um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your background in the music business because it's extensive and um, relevant probably to a lot of our conversation that's going to follow. So um, if you don't mind introducing yourself a little bit more and telling us about how you got started in music. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, thanks so much for having me on the podcast. Um, so my name is Andres and and I actually, I'm, I'm more or less the stereotypical music industry guy, I would say. I, I started very early as a music producer and engineer that turned into a manager because, you know, I realized very quickly that I'm not as good as my friends were when it comes to music and music production. So I kind of, um, you know, switched roles and, and started doing management and publishing. And then I, I, I founded a, a small publishing vertical within the company. I took that out and uh, later worked with the BMG and with Imagem Music, which later became Bicycle Music. And they sort of took my catalog in and I went on to work for Universal Music and I worked in the European office in Berlin as an advisor to the CEO of uh, Europe, um, which is also a board member of UMG. And uh, I helped them with establishing an investment strategy, establishing corporate development uh, strategy across all territories in Europe. And uh, while doing that, I kind of identified a couple of fields that I thought were very interesting that were going to shape or reshape the music industry a little bit. And that was um, the first one that I identified was influencer marketing because I realized that a lot of like let's say thirty-five um, percent of the spend of a of a major company goes into marketing and that may lead to advertising. So uh, understanding that influencer marketing is going to be something that we can heavily sort of use for our artists, but also you know, maybe monetize some of the newcomers that we have through that lane um, was something that we looked into. And one of the other things was esports because what we saw was that there is a whole new demographic that sort of where their heroes are completely digital um, in the sense of that are like, you know, action figures within games. And this, and second, and second to that is that there's a new breed of athletes being born that are that interact with those kind of games uh, in front of massive audiences. So we knew that this is a form of entertainment at the end of the day, because for us, pop culture consists of several pillars of sports, of music, of film, and um, of design and fashion. And we knew that like music has always been the strongest one when it comes to sort of leaning forward and and showing the way to all other pillars. So for us, it was clear that there's going to be a big intersection between gaming culture and esports and music. So we started to tap into that. And while I tapped into that, I was like, okay, if I do that for UMG, I can also do this for myself and, and in a way that, that I can really sort of in like 
shape the industry to a certain degree into a direction that I, that, that I always wanted the industry to go. And that, that's very tough to do from inside of, of, of such a big house to, to, like to UMG. And that's why that's why I dropped out and I partnered up with um, Waze, who was a partner and co-founder, who was, a, um, who was the, the global head of talent at the ESL, the biggest esports brand. And um, we founded Five Vectors sort of as the first real love baby of the music and gaming industry to um, give birth to a platform that enables independent musicians and to find new monetizing lanes and also that gives, hopefully in the future, gamers a better experience than the existing one. That's great. Um, and I, just speaking about this experience, I think music, I, it would be really helpful just to give a general snapshot of how music weaves into games and gameplay. Um, I think I think a lot of the folks in the music world maybe imagine it's something kind of like sync or they've heard about the virtual concerts in some um, gaming environments, um, but they may not know about all the ways that the sonic world of games is really important to gamers. So I'd love if you could give us a little bit more insight into that to start us out. Yeah, I would love to. So you said it very right. So it's like... Um... Usually, how the music industry sees the gaming space is uh, as a as a sync opportunity. So, what we all know is like it pretty much started with let's say Tetris. It had this iconic sound design that we all remember. So, it really tied us into the game. That was like pro. That was music done for the game itself. But then, maybe like in the last decade, the sort of the most synonymous for gaming music was maybe FIFA because it had a dedicated soundtrack. So, a lot of people were like that's actually a great platform for the artist to be featured in. And there could also be a monetary upside by, you know, EA, the studio behind FIFA paying a sync fee uh, for that track. So this is how usually like, like publishers and labels tackle that space. It's like, oh, there's an audience. I can give you my, my, the music and you guys can put it into the game. And in exchange for that, we can get a fee and our artists can get massive exposure. But that's not what we, where we want to tap into. What we have seen is... There's a new kind of a gaming revolution right now going on, especially for younger kids, because these kids grow up and this gaming environment is very, it's native to them. It's how we see it is usually the, the gaming experience is an extension to our lives. For this new generation, it is pretty much their life. This is why esports in that demographic is growing stronger than traditional sports, because this, this new generation feels so comfortable in this digital environment that they want also their sports and the competitive events to be part of that and how we see it is that these guys or these this generation this demographic is they want music as a part of the social experience to be in those places right as as when when i was young and i grew up in this late rap sort of generation of the 2000s it was for me it was we, we dressed like the our idols you know, it was very obvious for everyone from the outside space that, you know, we listen to rap. This is pretty much gone by now. This is completely diluted. You cannot tell what someone is listening to just by the looks. But music always had this very, very strong social um, component that, that handed out identification to a certain group of people. And we strongly believe that this is going to go, that we're going to go back into this direction, especially in the virtual world where you can wear everything and, and, and look like anything literally like you can you know you can even look like an extraterrestrial life form but music is something that gives you a certain uh, identifier 
So if you would, if you're playing a video game and you're able to attribute music to your persona, to your character, to your gameplay, to your world that you are in, it gives you a certain color. And this is what people want. And this is where we actually see the biggest, also the biggest business upside is how can we build an infrastructure that enables that, that people can take music, interact with music in a more social way, in a gaming experience. And um, how can we make this infrastructure available to independent artists and to independent labels at, at, at this stage of the company? That's uh, that's that's really interesting. And, and it, it kind of feeds into something that I've been thinking a lot about, Andres, in part because I've gotten a chance to talk with you and Wase a bit about this world. Um, but it seems to me that the music business and, and even the, in its most advanced forms of sort of what, what a lot of people call monetizing fandom, which I think is a really unfortunate turn of phrase, um, it, because, you know, that's like taking someone's heart and soul and saying, how do we turn this into cold, hard cash? You know, I think if we uh, if we not to be too semantic about it, but I think if we shifted the way we talked about it, we'd get we'd get farther with this problem. But um, that aside, um, I think games have a lot to teach the music business about how to do this. Um, and in some ways, we've been really limited by um, older formats for, um, you know, engaging for fans, engaging with their favorite artists and having some kind of monetary side to that. Like I'm thinking about some of the really popular apps in China where you can tip people or um, some of the streaming platforms like Twitch, where there's some other typical things, some, some live streaming concerts, et cetera. Um, I wanted to hear your perspective and kind of just in a more speculative, fun, sci-fi kind of way, like where would you love to see um, music technology going that would unlock some kind of new layers for people, um, some new ways for artists and fans to interact and exchange value, so to speak, um, and, and ways that aren't based on older forms like throwing a tip in the tip jar or um, paying for a concert ticket or buying a piece of merchandise. What do you think? Do you think there are some new forms that have yet to be really explored that you'd love to see people thinking more about? Um, you mean new content forms or new interactive forms? Yeah, yeah, new interactive forms. I think there's a lot of creativity in the gaming space um, around this kind of interaction. There's a lot of really crazy virtual economies that like can leap up from you know people trading their own you know personally bred uh, digital warthogs and, or, you know, whatever, those kind of crazy things that can happen. Um, and I feel like none of that's really been unlocked for music in any way, shape or form. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on that or, um, well, yeah, what your take is and where, where you imagine the future of this kind of relationship going. I think that um, what you said, you already touched upon the whole topic is like, um, maybe to put it into a broader scope is, um, a lot of people talk about virtual reality right now and that, you know, that's a huge possibility, like a huge opportunity for music in the, in the virtual, um, in the virtual reality, and maybe mixed reality. Um, but what we do believe that and we see that coming together, but the problem is more, it's, it's, it's more about a timing issue. So we, I think that for virtual reality, the penetration of the, um, of the technology is not there yet. So the price point for virtual reality headsets and technology is still very, very high. It's not comparable to like an Xbox One, let's say, which now, you know, just sold on the Black Friday for $9.99 with two controllers. But if you want to get an, you know, an Oculus Rift or, or maybe something from like a HoloLens or whatever, you probably pay over a thousand bucks for the whole infrastructure. So there's no mass market yet 
because the price point is still too high. It, it, it needs to drop over time and it will drop over time so that it will be a um, sort of an item or an entertainment form that can sort of have a higher penetration rate across the country. Um, but we, what we do see is that the first layer um, where people actually want to interact with music in a different way is exactly the layer that you just touched upon is what we call this gaming uh, this micro economies within the, within game specific environments. So if you are, let's say, if, if you are in a specific store, you have a specific currency, and you can you can buy specific virtual items. Is the question that we ask ourselves is like, how can music be a, play a, a vital role in in that that certain economy? And it's not only like how can we sell maybe music into that into that space, but how can we implement mechanics around music that people are willing to or that, that are fun to engage with and that people want to engage with, so that people sort of you know maybe want to applaud digitally for something, and or or, or they want to push. Um, the information that that there's a new like track out or new artist and interesting one, they want to push within the gaming environment that information to their community or to their peer. How would how how would a business model on top of that look like, and, and how how would the interaction look like? And these are kind of the questions that we are asking ourselves. But what we see is that based on, on what I said earlier, on this on this very young demographic that is being that is growing up natively within these gaming environments and, and within a completely virtual space is that these guys are have completely abandoned the thought of owning music. I don't know if you remember there was a big discussion when streaming came up of okay, but this is a rent model, right? Like stream Spotify, the DSPs, this is an access driven model. And I remember that the big question was like, okay, you're not gonna own any more music. You don't gotta have it on your hard drive. Because it was such an essential point back in the days that you had this vinyl collection, it, it, it made you into something. You were the guy if you had that this uh, this 12, 15, you know, vinyl piece. And then later when I grew up very, very early in, in school, it was more about, you know, who had the most MP3s on his hard drive. And we kind of developed into such an access model. But in the new model, what we see is that people actually want to contribute and, and want to interact with a piece of music. And I think around this, there's a business model. I'm, I'm totally with you. It's like monetizing fandom literally sounds like you want to take an individual and squeeze as much dollars out of that uh, as you can. But I think how we should tackle it is more like, how can we create an infrastructure where people can, you know, tip, tip a song, maybe give the lyrics of a song, maybe put it into a nice visual and have it implemented into the game, have it somehow attached to the visual persona in the game so that they can showcase their affiliation towards that artist. And if you look at some, something like Patreon, it's like it, the step in the right direction, but it still doesn't feel like it's something that what I believe, especially this younger demographic is going to do because it's still completely detached from, from the gaming environment. And B, it's a donation system that sort of doesn't add to your social virtual persona because it's completely detached from that. So if you look at the Chinese market, Tencent and NetEase, you can see that they have they, they have perfectionized this model. Um, Tencent's annual revenue from music is 30% subscription and 70% is, I think they call it music entertainment services, which is very much the bucket of tipping for songs, gifting songs, unlocking certain rewards or like badges within the apps that you have. So all of these, what we call just microtransactions is basically what accounts for 70% for that, for, for um, the Tencent streaming service and QQ. And the interesting part here is that 
these guys are profitable, you know, if you, look, if you compare it against Spotify, which is like socially not a very interactive model. There are certain layers why probably the Chinese market is earlier than ours. And I, I think that it's because they didn't really have a desktop age. They went straight into the mobile age, similar to, let's say, Brazil. Brazil is pretty much also like what was driven by a mobile revolution with a you know, price tier for phones drop very, very quickly. And people could just, you know, purchase, you know, like phones and then, you know, stream music on, on YouTube over Wi-Fi and, and whatever. So they got conditioned in that behavior very, very quickly. This is why a lot of people believe that the Chinese model is not very applicable to us. We don't, we, we don't believe that actually we see the opposite. This is why we look so much into esports because people in the esports environment already have that are, are, are sort of conditioned in, in that space. Like they want to, you know, showcase their affiliation towards a certain team. And in the future, we believe also towards a certain artist, a band, a genre, um, or, or some item music related. And, and it's up to us to create these formats and these opportunities so that these guys can do that. This is why we're building, that. this way the technology that we're building circles around the idea of if you're an artist, what would your virtual merchandise be if we sort of detach ourselves from the um, notion that merchandise is fashion? What would it be if you go back to the, to, you know, back in the days and you had like seven inches and stuff like that on a concert that you could only buy at a concert? What could it be digitally? And how would it be showcased? Like that's like one of one of the main questions that we have. It's like how can you look into not only new formats, but more into like new bundles. Like what would you like to purchase as a fan digitally if you can somehow attach it towards your gaming persona? So if you're playing Fortnite or if you're playing any other game, you would have the ability, or maybe on Twitch you would have the ability to showcase that. Okay, he has the I don't know Frank Ocean pack, and he has the you know this and that maybe. Um, you know, sound attached to his character, or um, he has this, I don't know, maybe library or this lyric or whatever it would be. Maybe further down the line, also like a skin. Um, but but this is like the main question that we're asking. So we're not coming from the angle of, okay, how we count, can we get our songs into a game? This is always what we are asked of a lot. It's like, okay, so you guys cracked the nut of like how to sync, mass sync music into video games and we're now we're not coming from that angle we're coming from the angle of looking actually at the virtual space trying to understand how these how this new generation actually wants music to play a vital role in the virtual environment and we're trying to find the right format and the right technology to deploy those formats that's really really cool um one thing that you um touched on andres was that you know what music works in what game how do i get my music into a game one 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 area I know you guys have focused a lot on is understanding the culture within different game spaces. Um, so I was wondering if we could, and data is of course an issue that's very very uh, exciting for a lot of people in the music business. Um, so I'm wondering if we could talk a little bit about what kind of data points play into figuring out what digital merchandise might potentially work. What kind of music genres people are excited to associate themselves with um, within gameplay. Um, what kind of data points do you look at and what's really important and what is less important um, in the realm of data when we're talking about gaming and music? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, would love to talk about that. I mean, it's a, you know, I'm going to be very transparent here. It's like, you know, my partner was a, he's just, he is pretty much the gaming industry. He knows everything about it. You could wake him up at 3 a.m. in the morning and ask him a random question about the industry. Or, a, or about a game, and he would probably be able to answer that. So working with him and then, you know, starting to harvest data to try to understand which 
kind of musical genre works in which game was very eye-opening to me um because from the music industry side there's a lot of like stereotypes that we um that that we had or also that, that i had as well was more like okay gaming music is probably electronic music there's a lot of talk about why this could why sort of electronic or EDM is so close to gaming music. Uh, it ranges from, uh, it was developed at the same period of time to um, the first gaming generation was conditioned by EDM because they also like, you know, grew up in that age or it's just technically very close. But all of that, what we can say is we can pretty much uh, demystify that is that it is not that simple. Basically, what we are trying to do is we are we are we are aggregating right now um, over different outlets and initiatives that we have um, a, a variety of data points on a daily basis. So we're grabbing. Um, I don't want to drop the wrong number, but I could say we're grabbing like a six-digit number of of data points a day to try to understand um, a certain um, sort of code that I wrote down here in the office, which says the music, and then equals to us is the platform, the game, the demographic, the time, the format, and the type. And the type means for us, if you're playing a game, if you're watching a game, or if you're watching a competitive game. And that's like the algorithm that we want to crack. And this is touching upon the topic. We already saw that EDM is not gaming music. Gaming culture and, and, and esports is becoming so big that it touches upon every single genre. So if you think about the NFL, there is no such thing as NFL music or football music. Let me say it like that. A lot of people think it's actually, um, you know, very like uh, rap or maybe like R and B or or very modern music. Or even you know, or but maybe maybe you know, sort of what what we uh, affectionately call butt rock in the US. <laughs> Sort of rock, yeah, this is, this is what I actually yeah. wanted to say is that, but it, it's just very, very diverse. I remember Monday Night Football. I think Sheryl Crow sang sort of the Monday Night Football anthem for over one and a half years, or so maybe even for two seasons. So, so it, it's it, it these kind of phenomena and so this kind of cultures are so big that they kind of inherit all the genres, and so it's more important for us to really understand. And this is more or less the tricky part: is like what kind of genre wants what kind of um, user in what kind of experience in what what kind of format so what kind of format i really mean like if you're playing a video game music is enhances your experience but it can't be the forefront so if you're playing a game like counter-strike you cannot listen to a song on um you know on, on, on full volume because you actually need to listen to the game. You you you, you listen or in Fortnite. You listen to the steps of, of 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 the other guy on the same kind of map and who's trying to who's trying to kill you. So you have to very like music can only be a, a layer next to that. So what we needed to do initially, we did a lot of research for that. Is like trying to find opportunities where music could actually be played and in what kind of length. So we know now that in these kind of games, you can enhance the experience by adding musical bits. But initially, what we're doing right now is without vocals because it could be too disturbing. And we know that it's usually in the range of 8 to max of 15 seconds. And it's usually in, in, in situations where the user does not highly focus. So usually in situations where he is rewarded something, so where he may be like one around or when he's like respawning when he died. Because this is like a short slot where the user can actually have a short breath and be like, okay, on to the next one. So... This is like the first layer that 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 we try to understand based on the data is like which game like opens up which opportunity, and the second one is 
has said, how do we create or which music are we going to deploy to which user in which game or which platform within which format? And this is not that easy as being like, okay, so um, Fortnite is actually, you know, it's EDM because Marshmallow played a concert in it. Actually, it's it's not that. I mean, we want to put in a report and the first thing that we saw is like that, going to give that away, is like that that in Fortnite is, is the best example because the game is so big. The first four artists were pretty much the identical ones that you had in the Spotify viral top 100. So there's a huge overlap of sort of what is working in pop culture right now on the DSPs with what people were listening to when playing Fortnite. So we just tried, and, and, and we know that because music is this dominant layer of pop culture within those pillars that is always you know driving pop culture. But for us, obviously, it's important to be like, okay, if it's so big, what about country music? There has to be a demographic or a group or cohort within Fortnite somewhere on the platform that actually sort of wants to interact with like something like country music. So how can we contextualize these musical pieces and put it into the, uh, you know, and deploy it in the right way to the right people? And I think that's like something that we're using our, our, our data management platform for and we want to use it more heavily in the future so that we have a better experience for the user. And that maybe then way down in the future, they also have some serendipity, some sort of discovery to it so that we know, okay, if we push that, that kind of, you know, song to the user, even if, if he's not the typical, um, I don't know, jazz listener, he's probably going to enjoy it because it fits so much into, you know, into the game and into the experience. And we can read this out of the data uh, that we gathered over time. That's really exciting. Um, and you know, I think I think this is this is a really important point for people in the music business to uh, consider is that there may be more uh, opportunities and ideas out there than than they've suspected. Um, if you could give somebody, um, you know, who maybe says has a catalog or is working with a bunch of artists, um, one or two pieces of advice about how to approach the gaming world or um, gamers esports, what would that be? I think. And as this industry or like this this culture is just at the very beginning, they can sniff out if someone just wants to take advantage of them very, very, very quick. It's again similar to me. I remember when like rap came up, like got big in Europe and the scene was just, you know, small and then it grew bigger, bigger. And people in the industry know if someone is not from the industry. So what I can tell to the kind of advice that I would give like an independent artist or an independent label would be don't try and don't be the typical music industry guy and explain people how to do things. Start with listening and be very, very honest and be like, we don't know a lot about your industry, but we want to learn. And this is what we offer. We have great artists. We have great music. How could we do something that actually is interesting to you guys and, and, and engaging for your community and, and not be the kind of music industry bully that comes in and is like we can do sync we can do here we can do this and that and, and yada yada just you know try to step back a bit because this industry is like it's very new there's a lot of movement already but the people who are in the industry have already been there for quite a while and they will sniff out immediately if someone is just in for the quick buck or really wants to contribute to the journey but if you're in to really like you know find your own lane then you will find a lot of people who actually are you know, willing to open up the door and let you in and, and, and try something new out with you. This is why we think we're in a very good space because um, the 
the, especially the gaming partners that we work with from uh, Ubisoft to League of Legends Japan, they are very, very um, sort of welcoming. And we're having a very honest conversation about music integration. And yeah, that's pretty much what I, what I would tell them. Don't try to sell them. Just start with listening, probably. That's a great idea and a very good advice. Um, very good life advice in general. <laughs> when you want to meet a new group of people and understand a new community. Um, well, thanks so much for taking the time to talk a little bit about this. I bet we could have an actual five-hour-long five um, conversation um, and maybe we'll have to to revisit some new topics as things evolve, um, Andreas. But I really, really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Before we um, head out, is there a place where interested listeners can find out more about Five Vectors and follow you and Basse and your thoughts um, as things evolve? Because I think things are going to be evolving pretty quickly in your corner of the world. Uh, yeah. So uh, basically, under Five Vectors, we operate uh, uh, two brands. So but first of all, uh, fivefactors.io, this is where sort of um, it's our homepage where you can get in touch with us if you have any questions. We have a Discord server and we use heavily uh, as our Players Republic server where we, where we sort of always talk about music, gaming and the business side of things. So, but basically we operate two kind of brands. The first one is Tudex, which is a label brand focusing really on artists and how to create opportunities for them in, in, this, in this virtual world. And the other one is Players Republic, which is solely focused on the gaming experience, where we are trying to elevate the gaming experience by integrating music. And that being said, we have the server, um, the Discord server. You guys are more than happy to, to join there and, and get, you know, talk to us about anything you want. And on the other hand, um, if you just are interested more in the, the traditional music side, it's 2DEX, so a 2DEX.GG. It's our label. And uh, you can shoot us a mail there. You can find the playlist that we're running with Spotify, with the other outlets. And yeah, and just get in touch. I think that's the easiest way. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks so much, Andres. Um, have a great rest of your day. And thank you all for listening to the Music Tectonic Podcast. Um, check out our blog. If you aren't already on our mailing list, sign up because we will be announcing over time um, our upcoming conference in LA next year. Um, so you want to follow us closely to keep on top of that and um, hear what's coming down the pike. So thanks everybody. Um, have a great new year and um, we'll catch you soon. Bye. You're listening to Music Tectonics.